Welcome to the all-new weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You follow, and I'm Lakina McGee. You follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and Akina underscore McGee on the Instagram. And you can follow this program on War on Anchor, where you download your podcast and kick you over to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you look for, search for War on Anchor. And also, we're on iHeartRadio. Please download that iHeartRadio app. When you do, type in your search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube. You can watch us do our thing with the podcast via visual. Just type in your search engine box on YouTube, War Media. Once again, it's W-A-R-R Media. And you can watch us do our thing live. Voila! Here we are. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, uh, Lamont Scott will join us at some point. But let's talk about uh, baseball. You got the World Series. You got Game 3 coming up tonight. Now, Sid, uh, I, look, I, like I said, I had Dodgers in six, so... I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of within, you know, striking distance here. So what do you think about the first two games of the World Series so far? Uh, not anything surprising. I know Lamont said, and I'll piggyback off his comments on our last episode on Monday. He said that the Tampa Bay Rays had a chance that they split the first two games. Well, they did that with a 6-4 to four victory in game two. They had to hold on to their life for that victory, but they got it done. Now, reviewing game one, Mookie Betts was the man with the home run. He had another great catch. He had a couple clutch hits. And that's the impact that we expect as fans and observers from Mookie Betts. He did it with Boston a couple years ago when they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. He's doing it again with his new team, the Dodgers, against the Rays. The Dodgers in game one, that fifth inning, was their inning to have an offensive explosion. And that's exactly what happened. They attacked Tyler Gaslow from Tampa, the starting pitcher. You saw a little cracks in the window in, in, the, in the fourth inning, but in the fifth inning, it all just exploded, and that's what carried the Dodgers on to game one. Game two, Tampa Bay's offense finally came to light. As we said well, before, Lakina, they had the pitching, they had the defense, but in order to keep up with the Dodgers and perhaps pull off the upset, they'll have to score runs at some point, and they, and they did that on Wednesday. And so should you be surprised? No. And so uh, I expect, still is expected to be a long series. As you mentioned, the pitching matchup for game three, as we're recording this on a Friday, is Charlie Morton versus Walker Buehler. I want to see how Walker Buehler uh, responds again as a young pitcher, as the new ace of the Dodgers uh, on the number one stage. It should be interesting, though, because you know, we've been hearing about him. He's done well th during the regular season, but like he said, Sid, he's, he's kind of had his struggles in the postseason a little bit, but he kind of got it together in the, in the NLCS, so we'll see how he does here. Charlie Moore has sort of been one of those sort of guys that has kind of been the young, young son hero, I guess, for the race, so it'll be interesting to see what how the pitching matchup, you know, stacks up and also how the hitting, if they can get to, if the Dodgers get to Morton early, it's going to be a long game or if they, if the Rays could get to a uh, Rocco Bueller early. So this will be kind of interesting. Like who gets into that, gets to that hot start that I think is going to be very pivotal in this game three. 
Also, too, let's go back to game one again just for a hot second. Clayton Kershaw pitched a well of a game, six innings, eight strikeouts. Uh, Tyler Gass, Glass now. Uh, he had six strikeouts, but those walks uh, came back to bite it in the butt, as I, as I mentioned before, with the Office of Explosion in game one by the Dodgers in that fifth inning. Uh, he, he lost control there in the middle innings, and those are believe the second time around um, the, the Dodgers lineup. So the Dodgers figured him out pretty quickly. Game two, the Dodgers uh, didn't execute the same game plan. Tampa Bay jumped out early, but the uh, starting pitching is going to be key for both of these teams. As I just mentioned, Clayton Kershaw, I think he redeemed himself as uh, sort of as a, a postseason pitcher. Hope he can get his first ever World Series ring. Let's see what Walker Buehler does tonight. If he has his control on early, it's going to be a, a long night for Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I don't know if Charlie Morgan has to match him, but Tampa Bay's offense has to be aggressive again like they were on Wednesday in game two. I think that's good. Like I said, that's going to be the key. If, if they can get if they can get to a hot start like they did early in game two, I think that that would be fine. But if not, if Dodgers get that hot start, they're going to be hard to kind of grab. So it all depends on like the momentum and how each of the, you know, the batting, you know, goes up against the pitching. So it's going to be very interesting. Like you said, Sid, I mean, they've got, these are two sort of like, I don't want to say like, you know, half, half ass, you know, half standard, you know, pitchers, but they're, they're white, they're right there. So I, I think, they're pretty much even pitching wise. So I think it's going to depend on, you know, who doesn't give up a lot early. Yeah. And also too, uh, the Dodgers bullpen has been in question all season long and part of these playoffs as well. Of course, their closer Kenley Jensen has been rarely used. So will we even see him uh, on the field in this world series? We shall see. We all know Tampa Bay has the best bullpen in baseball and perhaps left in these playoffs. So, Whoever can get to that bullpen first, I believe, will be the winner. Well, it will be to see which 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 sort of, and I think, like you said, so I think the Dodgers' hat, bullpen has had their struggles. We know that the Rays, their their bullpen is, has been up, you know, can be up and down too. So, I think it's all going to be about the pitching at this from here on out. If they can kind of tame the pitching, kind of tame the hitting, especially the Rays' pitching can kind of tame the Dodgers. They can they can kind of like take over the series, but if not, and if the Dodgers hitting sort of like if they get to Morton early, then you can probably say this will end up being a long game three for them. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Lakina, for both teams, who who are your unsung heroes? Who are your potential unsung heroes uh, for the remainders of for the remainder of this series as we uh, on the dawn of Game Three? Oh boy, there have been there have been a lot. I mean, you know, of course, you know, for the Dodgers. I mean, Betts is sort of he kind of like carried the load in Game One for the Dodgers, but also I would say the Rays bullpen. They've been kind of, you know, when the Dodgers kind of like knocked on the door and they were right there to kind of like perhaps maybe take control of the game. The Rays bullpen kind of was able to get out of the jam, so I think they've been kind of the unsung heroes, and also they're they're. And I would also say that maybe their 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 bats have been pretty good too. So I, I'm kind of like you know it, like I said, I mean the bull like I said the Rays bullpen can be really good when they're in the zone. So I, I think they've been sort of the unsung heroes because they've been able to kind of like keep the dot they were able to keep the Dodgers at bay in game two. What about you? 
Uh, I'm looking for Justin Turner, the third baseman for the Dodgers. I want to see him, if he could come up big at the plate. Uh, he's been kind of up and down so far this year and getting back to another World Series appearance for him. Me personally, I like his long hair, but <laughs> that's besides the point. I want to see if he could come up big with a bat. And also, too, Corey Seager. Uh, he has seven career uh, postseason home runs. As a, that, that's the most in MLB history, if I'm not mistaken, as a shortstop. So he's really come, uh, come on. So I'm looking for those two guys uh, to carry the office for the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this will be – do you think this is sort of like a end-all, be-all? Do you think that whoever wins game three tonight ends up taking control of the series? Or, look, this is going to be one of those six or seven game series type and whoever has the momentum, it'll probably change, change like, game the game. What's your mindset? Me personally, I think it's going to change from game to game. As we mentioned before, who's starting pitching can outlast who's and whose bullpen can hold up uh, the, the most and the longest. Uh, whoever wins game three tonight, yes, technically they are they are in control of the series, but I expect this to be a six or seven game series. I expect it to be a back and forth affair. It's not going to be easy for whoever wins this series. If you expect the Dodgers to dominate, I'm not saying that that still can't happen, but it's not going to be easy. You saw what Tampa Bay did in game two on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, because I'm seeing people, because I saw people were saying that, oh, well, really? I mean, they really let the Rays catch up. I mean, you guys haven't been seeing the Rays the last couple of years. I don't know what, I don't know what baseball y'all been watching, but if you thought that the Dodgers were going were gonna <laughs> to sweep or have a gentleman sweep with the Rays, I don't, you guys haven't been watching Rays baseball the last couple of years, so... I don't know what baseball folks have been looking at, but this is actually a pretty good race team, like we've been saying all season. Yeah, as I mentioned before, the last couple of years on this show, give uh, manager Kevin Cash credit. They, they have uh, guys that there are known names, just like the St. Louis Cardinals, but they have fundamentally sound guys. They know when to hit. They play defense. They have strong pitching. And they come up in clutch situations. There's really been the MO for the last decade, almost decade and a half, with now uh, Dodgers GM Andrew Freeman at the helm. He used to be with the Rays back in the day, him and now former manager Joe Madden. That's been their DNA, you know, scrappy guys just getting the jo job done. Uh, no big name stars, no big name headlines. They just all collectively, collectively play as one. They know how to get the job done. And it'll be like I can't like I said I can't wait for this game three tonight and like I said before it's good we'll see who ends up can kind of like sort of tame which side can tame the other whether it's from the pitching or the hitting if the hitting gets to one of these pitchers early we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. All right. Uh, okay, Sid. Uh, okay, what's the any updates on the White Sox, you know, managerial ser managerial search? Because we we heard last week that they told the Russos supposedly talked to the White Sox earlier this week, and there are a couple other names have have kind of been flowed around too. What's the latest? Yeah, you just gave out the full report right there. <laughs> <laughs> as we as we said as we said before, Lakina. Uh, since this whole process has started. I believe this is still A.J. Hinch's job. And I said as well, uh, the White Sox are just going through the motions interviewing candidates. Maybe they can find a diamond in the rough, but I don't think that's going to happen. 
I know 2020 is a weird year. Things can happen strangely in an instant, but I still believe this is a job for A.J. Hinch. And I said this before, too. If you fire Rick, Ricky Renteria, you already had your guy. Yeah. And I, can, I just cannot see the White Sox fumbling up this opportunity. You fire Ricky, Ricky Renteria, and you can't find your guy. But what's going on here? You don't have a plan. You thought you had a plan. And now that you potentially can drop the ball, this just doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's unprove it otherwise. I believe this is A.J. Hinch's job. Of course, no uh, trades, no uh, new announcements of new managers can be made, cannot be made until after the World Series. Yeah, and I think that's, well, I think that that's the key, right? I think this is sort of like, hey, you know what? We'll do this as a favor. AJ Hitch is our guy, and you know, look, look, like I said before, look, you know, he doesn't look so bad. So, like you said, I think this is just posturing on the White Sox part. I think they, I think they know, like you said, that Hinch is their guy, and I think they're just waiting this after the World Series so they can make the you know, the formal announcement. But yes, I'm sure they'll interview other guys. Like like we said a couple weeks ago, AJ Brzezinski said. Excuse me, AJ Brzezinski said that he's interested. So I doubt anything's going to come to come to that. But uh, yeah, I think look, in a couple of weeks, I think Hinch will have probably be introduced as a new manager of the White Sox. Yeah, assuming it's AJ Hinch, uh, he can they can be already forming up their coaching staff. We uh, we already know that Don Cooper now ex pitching coach for the White Sox is not coming back. So. Maybe Hinch or whoever it is is trying to form their coaching staff right now before they make this uh, brouhaha of an announcement. So if you the White Sox, hopefully you don't drop the ball in this situation. You know, hopefully you take it things slowly and you just have a plan. You just uh, execute it without just having blinders on. Yeah, I agree. So like I said, to be continued with the White Sox managerial search, another thing that has made headlines earlier this week is that Sham Sharma from The Athletic, he is reporting that that the Cubs, going to the other side of town, have basically said that this they might just blow it all up and start over. Although nothing's been official yet, you know, we don't even know if Theo, if Theo is going to be leaving, you know, whether it's, you know, right now or after next season. So what do you, what do you think of, of, you know, the Cubs and what they're doing? Uh, blowing it up completely will be a bad idea. I think they will get rid of some guys. I know they didn't do it this past all season, even before the whole COVID situation that we're in right now. Uh, let's be honest here, Lakina. Do they need to do the rebuild like the Chicago White Sox? Yes. But here's why they are putting those plans. I'm not going to say on hold, but at least they're thinking about it real hard. Because can you remember what happened before the regular season started? Mm-hmm. Marquee, yeah, the Marquee Network. Network. Yep, yep. It well, took like a hundred years. Here. Yeah, to call, it took like a hundred exactly. years to get it in some places, especially with Xfinity. Exactly. Do you really want to do the White Sox slash Astros plan right now, especially after um, millions and millions of Cup fans were bitching and moaning, excuse my French, and complaining, oh. like you said, about not getting the Marquee Network and, and barely getting it before opening day this year? You can't really afford to do that in terms of uh, your viewership, assuming that we're going to, I think we will have fans back in the stands next year for a full 162-game season. It, can you really afford uh, uh, for that for that channel that you pay, whatever uh, cable or satellite provider that you have, are you going to really pay 
that much money per month to watch a 55, maybe a 60-win ball club right now? No. If you're a Cubs fan, you're not going to pay for that. Even though baseball logic sense, it makes sense to do a total uh, rebuild. I, I, well, you just got that new network. You passed year one of it. Are you going to really re resell this again as far as we're going to tear everything down? We just started a new network that's barely a year old, and we're going to force Cub fans to pay high ticket prices to go to Wrigley Field. Yes, some fans are going to go to Wrigley no matter what, but you're not going to be sold out at the games. And you really think that people are going to sit there on a new network going into year two to watch that? I don't think so. Not now. And when you have your owners basically crying poor, even they were crying poor, even the Ricketts family, they were crying poor even before the pandemic. And now that when the pandemic hit, now they say, you know what, no more money. So, I mean, we'll talk about the Blackhawks and what they're trying to do, you know, in a little bit, but you're not going to be able to sell a team, you know, that you got to rip it down to the studs and start over. You're not going to be able to, to sell it to Cubs fans. Especially, like, like you said, Sid, I mean, you're already paying, like, high prices, whether you have it, like, as part of a, you know, your cable lineup or whether you're, you know, separately, like, on, you know, we'll say, like, YouTube TV or something like that. People aren't going to waste their money for that. So, I think if you're the Cubs, I think you got to wonder, okay, so are we going to have to maybe trade one of these core guys, you know, maybe perhaps try to get some prospects back? I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how the NL division looks next year. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they stand pat and see what happens next season. Hopefully it'll be a full 162-game season. And if halfway through, by the time they hit the All-Star break, if the Cubs are right there in contention for the division or even for one of the wild-card spots, then you could probably visit then by then you could probably visit the idea of perhaps maybe trading some of your core players. But right now, I mean, why are you trying to why are you why is all this stuff being leaked? Doesn't make any sense. I think it's probably being leaked because they want to hear and see what how the fans react. And let's be real here, Lakina. We were expecting the Cubs to make these type of moves last offseason. That didn't happen. You may see maybe a move or two here and there, but I just cannot see them blowing this thing completely up. Yes, you're you're going to have to trade one of your core players, possibly maybe Chris Bryant. You may say goodbye to him. You still may say goodbye to Wilson Contreras, even though we all thought that he was gone before this season, and, and obviously that didn't happen. I know people don't want me to bring up this name, but you may have to say goodbye to Anthony Rizzo. So one of those core players will have to go. But just to totally blow this thing up and, and manage David Ross going into his second year, I, I just don't see it. I know he didn't sign up for this, so uh, there may be some retooling here and there, but – I just cannot see them blowing it up, not yet. Like you said, if they get out to a horrible start, then they can't dig themselves out of a hole. When it comes to the trade deadline next year, July 31st, then I can see them uh, making some moves. But right now, I just don't see it. Uh, not blowing up the whole entire thing, but maybe trade somebody big. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, you're not going to be able to sell this to the fan base. I think maybe they, maybe that is why they decided to leak, it, delete this information to see how the fans reacted. For what we're hearing, Cubs fans are not very happy for the most part. So, and I, like you said, I don't think Rossi signed up to, you know, hey, I don't want to have to develop guys or, you know, manage guys, you know, for the minors. I mean, you know, well, like I said, I mean, we'll see how the division looks next year. Could they maybe perhaps maybe make a play for the division? 
I don't, I don't know. But like I said, we'll see how, you know, the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Pirates and the Reds, you know, the Reds may finally make their move and, you know, be at the top. I don't know. But there's so much uncertainty, especially with everything going on with COVID. I mean, they're not going to be a lot of teams. They're going to be want to want to spend a lot of money or a lot of their their assets, if you will. Yeah, you might see a whole lot more trades than free agent signings because, like you said, like there were, as far as baseball is concerned, there were no fans in the stands this year, and the, uh, even though there's no salary cap in baseball, there's not going to be as much money available as it was uh, before this pandemic. So. Uh, it's going to be flatlined for the least next couple of years. So uh, whoever's, uh, whichever big-time players like Chris Bryant was looking for that big-time contract, he, they're still going to get paid, but it's not as much as you thought because there wasn't a, a new revenue uh, coming in, definitely not from the fans because they were not allowed in the stands this year. So it's really going to be an interesting uh, free agent uh, offseason for most of these guys. You may be, yeah, you may be seeing guys, I don't know if they're, I don't know, like a lot of them, I don't know if Brian's going to take a hometown discount or, you know, guys like that, but they're, you're not going to get 250 million or 300 million. That just isn't going to be realistic, especially in these times. I don't think so either, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I know free agent, uh, not free agent, uh, uh, Chris Bryant's agent, Scott Boros, he does what he can for his clients and that's what the agent is supposed to do but let's be realistic here I don't know if you're going to get a big paydays anywhere else either I think those kind of contracts like what Mookie Betts signed and what uh, from San Diego before the start of last season uh, I don't know if you're going to see the, uh, far too more of those kinds of contracts and Bryce Harper too in Philadelphia I don't know if you're going to see those kinds of contracts uh, in, in the long term, if you do, it has to be deferred payments or a longer term deal like Mookie Betts' contract is. He, Mookie Betts still got paid, but it's going to be deferred and uh, spread out throughout the years mm -hmm. of that contract. You're not going to get a full boatload. Yeah, he's not going to get the bulk of it all at once. So I think that's the, and I think that's probably the kind of contract you are going to be seeing for the next couple of years at least. So it won't, won't count against the cap. All right, another team that, you know, we talked about them. The Blackhawks, um, I don't know if you heard uh, Sid, but uh, Stan Bowman was on um, Cap and Jay Hood earlier, and he kind of said that we still want to compete, but we're going to get rid of some guys. So I'm paraphrasing what he said. You can listen to the, uh, the interview, but what, what do you think? I mean, what do you think is, you know, the Blackhawks, you know, mindset is? Uh, hopefully we get more in-depth into it on our next po uh, podcast coming up next week. Hopefully we'll have a guest or two so we'll get more in-depth into what Stan Bowman said. I know he did the media tours this week. Uh, this is to keep the fan base from not leaving because we all know what happened uh, many years ago leading up to old man Bill Wirtz dying because the Hawks were not making the playoffs. They weren't drawing. They were drawing 5,000, maybe 10,000 fans at best uh, per night before the old man died. And then when John McDonough, now ex-president of the team, took over. So they definitely do not want to go back to those days. Now, Stan, as many people have said before, the moves that he made a few years ago when they were trying to go for Stanley Cups, they made sense at the time, but you weren't thinking far ahead. And number two, you thought that the salary cap was going to go up every year 
and, and it turns out it didn't, uh, the, the value of the, of the Canadian dollar is just not there. Now, the, all these professional sports, including the NHL, which is a hard salary cap, is going to get hit the most. I'm sure the uh, salary cap is going to get flatlined for at least the next couple, couple of years because of COVID. So um, Bowman has a lot of work to do, and you don't have enough draft picks. I know there's a couple of guys you expect to come up for next year. Will that happen? I don't know. I know that uh, me and Kenneth Davis from now, from that Davis show you can listen to on War on Anchor, we talked about this for the last three or four or five years that uh, Davis brought up that, that the Hawks should have seriously considered trading Jonathan Tavis. I have brought that up as, uh, as far as the, the season, this was 2018. You could have got closer what you wanted for Jonathan Tavis. Now that he's older, even though he's still one of the best uh, players in hockey when healthy, uh, at Jonathan Tate's age, which is now in his early 30s, you may not get what you want from him because he's older now and he's a little bit more injury prone. You know, he's been healthy up the two out of the last three years. If you really wanted to trade Jonathan Tate or Patrick Kane, of course, you uh, Patrick Kane will potentially bring back the most value because he's let, because Patrick Kane is less injury prone. But let's be honest too. Patrick Kane over the last three or four years is playing the best hockey of his career. Yep. Do you really want to get rid of that? And also, too, you need butts in the seat. So you need to keep Kane from a business perspective. No disrespect to John Tate, one of the best young captains and leaders in hockey ever, especially in this era. But it will make logic, hockey sense to trade Jonathan Tate. Now, if you trade him now, you're not going to get – what you want from him and how many draft picks, if any, are you going to get from him now? I, I just don't know. And this is also what happens when you swipe that credit card too many times, you pay for it in the back end. That's what's happening to the Blackhawks right now. He has a lot, to, uh, he has a lot to, to sort out. I think I'm talking about Stan Bowman. I mean, Seabrook's contract is terrible. You're not going to be able to move that. It'll be interesting if you probably maybe trade Duck and Key to play one of the teams in Canada. Maybe he can kind of, you know, try to, you know, jumpstart one of those teams. And I think I know Calgary, you know, Calgary was close a couple of times, but we'll see. Um, maybe Trey Kaner back to Buffalo. Maybe he can do some big things there in his hometown city. I know, I know that Taves wants to, uh, has like political, there, there are rumors that he wants political, aspir- he has political aspirations. So do you trade him to a team back in Canada so he can start doing that? I know he's got dual citizenship, but I know he loves it here, but uh but like you said, Sid, I mean, I don't think Stan Bowman knows what he wants to do because if you trade Kane and or Taves, that's it. You can forget mm-hmm. about your – you can forget about those, those, you know, those huge crowds over at the UC for the next couple of years because, unfortunately, the Rafa Ice Hogs, they've not developed a lot of cup, any, like, decent players, at least enough for them to come up anyway as of yet to come to the big level in the NHL. So you're, you're, you're sort of stuck if you're a Hawks fan. And it, it's unfortunate, you know, listen, we got three Stanley Cubs out of it with that core, but unfortunately with the financial constraints with, with the NHL and the way their salary cap is structured, and like you said about the Canadian dollar still being flat, there's really nothing much that the Hawks can do at this point. Yeah, and this is what happens when you sign uh... – your veterans to long-term deals. And of course, no one expected COVID to hit. No one expected that. So I'll push that aside. But Bowman, 
expected the cap. He, he always thought that the salary cap was going to go up every year, and it just didn't happen. Now, at the time, they announced the Brent Seabrook deal, and this is when he started to turn for the worst in terms of miles on his playing career, and all the injuries started to pile up. I said at the time, not mad at Seabrook getting his money, but you stand by he gave him that long-term of a deal. We already knew at that time that he was at the uh, going towards the end of his career on the back end of his prime, so yeah. that didn't make any sense. Now, at the time when Duncan Keith signed that deal, along with Marion Holsa, it made sense because they were young guys. Holsa was, was in his late 20s, but Duncan Keith was getting toward his late 20s when the Hawks signed into that long-term deal many years ago, almost a decade ago now. So uh, those two moves made sense at the time. But Seabrooks, no. And uh, is now you, you're Bowman, you find that you are finding it really hard to trade those aging veterans. Who really wants to take on that salary? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Unless you have an answer to and I do, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it has to come to this. I'm not one of those people that said that they should have they traded Taves and Kane like, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. Maybe they should have, but the market just wasn't there at the time. You're not getting a lot of, you know, development from your players down in Rockford, like I said. So, I mean, I don't know what what do you do? What do you do if you're a Hawks fan at this point? I mean, do you, you know, maybe try to do a, maybe a full-on rebuild knowing that, you know, you're probably going to lose a lot of people and, and a lot of butts in the seats? Or do you probably perhaps maybe try and just, you know, just try to go for it and maybe hope and pray that, they sort of fell into your lap like it did this year when they kind of extended the, you know, the playoff uh, teams, you know, field so that you can get in there. Yeah. You had a nice, a nice little first round upset, but it didn't really go as planned after that. So I don't know. I mean, if you're, I don't know. I mean, you don't have John McDonough there to kind of help sort of like facilitate and keep, you know, have, you know, give people reasons mm-hmm. to keep the you deal know, to keep butts in the seat. So you're in a rock and a hard place if you will, if you're the Blackhawks. So I don't, I don't know what they do at this point, but we'll figure, we'll, we'll see what they do down the line. Yeah, they're in, the, in, they're in the same situation as the Cubs are in right now. What do you do? Uh, logical sense is to rebuild the team. I think what Sam Bowman is trying to do is do both at the same time. And you just, just don't have the capital to do that. All your veterans are aging out. You know, like I said, Patrick King, is playing the best hockey he has been at his age over the last two, three, four years. But all the other veterans are aging out. They don't have the same skills as they did, as you mentioned, when they won those three Stanley Cups back in the last decade. So this is almost like NBA mediocrity. This is where the Hawks are at right now. You want to keep your fans happy, but you still want to try to be competitive, compete for the playoffs, and perhaps steal a cup with a bunch of young guys that you're going with right now. This is what happens when you are uh, – you, this, this, the, the decisions that you made in the past comes back to bite you that doesn't work out. I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, if you're, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're the, if you're the Blackhawks, I mean, in baseball, you can kind of get away with trying to do both, you know, trying to develop guys and have your veterans in baseball. You can do that hockey. You can't. So I don't. I don't know what Stan, Sam Bowman does. I mean, why does he still have a job? I don't know. But that's a whole other. That's a whole other time for another <laughs> podcast. But I, I, I don't. Hashtag Fire Stan. What some Hawks fans, many Hawks fans, are saying on Twitter. 
Oh, I, I, I don't doubt that at all. So, <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, so you, you have a Bears question right before we uh, take a break? Yeah, I'm going to leave you guys with this teaser, and, and then we'll pick it up on the next hour. Should the Bears defeat, uh, beat this, the, no, I was going to say St. Louis, good grief. Uh, should the Bears <laughs> defeat the Los Angeles Rams in front of a national audience on Monday? Do you think they'll get the respect that they deserve, whether it's locally and or nationally? I will repeat the question again. Should the Bears upset the Rams on Monday Night Football in L.A.? Will they get the respect that they deserve from local fans and, and pundits like yours truly? And or will they get the respect nationally? Let's ponder that for a few minutes and we'll come back on the other side. And plus, we'll talk a lot of college football as well because I know you're excited. It's back. Oh, and I got a lot to say about that. So all that and more coming up. We'll also have our week seven NFL picks. Second City Sports Zoom style. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom, Zoom style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, who's joining us for this second segment. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the Insta at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott16 on Twitter. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can also uh, listen to this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other programming from We Are Regal Radio slash War Media, just by searching for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. And we're also on iHeartRadio. When you download that iHeartRadio, please search, put it in your, type in your search engine box, War on Anchor, that's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. You can type in your search engine boxes on search engine box on YouTube at War Media, that's W-A-R-R Media. And you can watch this podcast like you are right now. And here we are, voila! <laughs> <laughs> All right, as, as we end our, our first segment, I pose this question to our audience and our panel here. Lamont, since you are joining us, you are a part of this as well. Should the Chicago Bears, who have a big game on Monday night at Los Angeles against the Rams, the new sci-fi stadium, should the Bears somehow upset the Rams, however they do it, do you guys think they'll get the respect locally and or nationally by by that I mean this: Will the Bears uh, get more respect in terms of being considered one of the top teams in the NFC, like a Seattle or a Green Bay? Lakina, I'll start with you. I think it's going to depend on if how they win. If they dominate, which I don't think they're going to do, but if they do, then they'll probably get their respect nationally and even here locally. But if it's going to 
if it's like some of those games where they benefited from some mistakes made by the Rams or, you know, if, if golf throws an interception or, you know, maybe the defense has a lapse and, you know, the, you know, the Bears score that way, then they'll probably going to be the same they were going to be hearing. We've been hearing for like the last five or six weeks. So I think it all depends on how, if, if they do win, it's going to depend on how they win. It's going to be all about style of points for some people. Lamont? Well, I, I don't think they'll still get it. I think they people will say that they got another lucky game under Nick Foles. I mean, nationally, I'm speaking right now. Mm-hmm. Nationally, I, I definitely don't think they will get it nationally. Locally, some of us may start to come around, and some of us may say that they're doing much better, but nationally, no, zero. And as far as me personally, I would definitely have to see more. I mean, you're beating the Rams, okay? Going into the season, I was thinking you're supposed to beat the Rams. The Rams aren't this juggernaut that they were, you know, a year and a half ago. They're doing better now since they've gotten back to a run game, which helps them tremendously by having a run game. But I don't think nationally, I definitely don't think it. Here, some people are going to go crazy and some people are going to love it and say we're back. But I, I still will have to wait and see it until we beat Green Bay and Minnesota. Or I get the saying we got a chance against think- Minnesota. I think both of you guys uh, bring up interesting points. I just saw this stat on television before uh, we kicked off this second segment. Did you know that the Bears in all offensive categories, I'm talking about yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game, they are ranked third or fourth worst in the NFL in all of those categories. Let me repeat that again. In terms of yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, they are ranked third or fourth worst or lower in the National Football League. So, like you guys have been saying, I think you elaborated this more in depth, Lamont. They're not getting, the, they're not going to get the respect nationally. I think, like you said, Lakina, it all depends on how the Bears uh, beat the Rams on Monday. If they come out and score thirty or more. Uh, points per game and maybe get that one turnover defensively. I'm sure maybe a couple people will come around, but I think nationally they'll be more skeptical and, and they would say, we'd like to see this a couple more times. Let's see if they can be consistent. And rightfully so, that should be the outcome on Monday. If they beat the Rams by, uh, like you guys have been saying, um, just playing it close to the best, winning games ugly while you're trying to quote-unquote figure it out, like you did against Carolina and some of these other teams like the Giants or the Detroit Lions on opening day, they won't get the respect. Now, locally, in the same scenario I just mentioned that the Bears somehow put up 30 points per game by their offense, like you said, Lamont, I think maybe a few people may turn around. And, of course, we all know that some diehard fans will lose their mind and say they're going to the Super Bowl. Let's pump the brakes on that. But mm-hmm. I think some fans locally will, will come around. But – Actually, I don't think it matters how it, the Bears pull out the upset. I don't think nationally it's going to matter. I think they're, like you said, Lamar, they're going to be in a, a wait-and-see wait approach. Can you beat New Orleans uh, next week? Can you beat Tennessee, even though uh, the lineman Lawan is out for the year with the, with the torn ACL? Can you finally beat Green Bay? 
And I, like you mentioned, Lamont, that's the question. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the victories that the Bears have. Well, how many good teams they beat? One that you can consider a good team that's going to make a run, maybe. What's that one with the Tampa Bay team? The rest of those yeah. teams. The rest of those teams they beat, everybody's going to beat those teams. Those teams were supposed to lose to everybody. The Bears were supposed to beat those teams. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you mentioned their record uh, uh, last week, I think you had them at two and something. When you mentioned their record, said two or four. Two or four, so he has. My thing is they only have beaten one legitimate team. Every other team they beat, they were supposed to beat. They got more talent then. The, all the rest of the league feel the same way about that. So when they run up against the Bears, they're looking at it like, okay, y'all ain't beat nobody. Y'all still the same old Bears. I mean, come on. Y'all just got an older version of Mr. Biscuit. That's that's kind of how that's kind of how real teams are looking at them. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, that's how they're looking at it. They say, we ain't got to chase him. All we got to do is get around the tackles. And we got him. He ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, respect Respect won't come. I, the only way I think they will gain respect is if they win the Super Bowl. Even if they win the division and the championship, the playoff game, they still not going to get the respect. They're going to win somebody had an off day or somebody had a great day they're still not going to give the team its respect. And I think keeping us from doing all of that, mainly going to fall back on coaching. I mean, I think McNaggy, he's been getting outcoached in most of these games, even against these bad teams. So it's hard for the Bears to continue to win like this. And I don't see them doing it, although I love their winning Whoa, whoa, because of the record. But I, I, it's like a false sense of reality. Look, I've been trying to tell people for the longest. I mean, look, I'm like Sid. I got them at two and four. I got them finished at nine and seven. I think they, that's where they'll end up finishing. I think, like we've been saying these last few weeks, the defense can only do so much for you. If the offense isn't going to be within – that realm they don't, have, they don't have to be really good or great but they just got to be average if they're not going to be consistently average you're not going to go far I don't care who you are and all these people are saying you know who said that last year well the Bears are legit why not some of these same people were saying that the Packers weren't legit last year they ended up finishing like 13 and 3 or something like that so I think people need to kind of be consistent here so let, let's pump the brakes on some of these sort of you know diagnostics yeah. cities. Yeah, so those prognostications. So let, let, let's just wait till the games play out because we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk more about it on Monday when we reconvene. We, we but uh, I, I had my own little prediction for this game on Monday night. But thankfully, it's on a Monday night, so we'll be able to talk about it. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wait till Monday. Yeah, I, I, held on, uh, I had a friend back when I used to work a uh, long time ago. I'm, I'm telling my age again. Back when I was working at... <laughs> uh, uh, w, uh, MAQ when I was working at NBC Sports before they sold it to ESPN and I used to work sports with him right mm -hmm. and he's under the impression that the Bears team 
you know, they talk about that 85 Bears team that won the Super Bowl or whatever, how that was the greatest team and all of those things. If you look at the offensive stats from that team, Jim McMahon was going over the top of somebody's head every game. And we had Walter Payton. And we had one of the best lines in football. So when you give all of that credit to the defense for that game, and he used to always tell me that team had an offense, that's why they won. It wasn't because that defense was so dominant. People seem to think that defense just ruled the world. Yes, they were great. Yes, they hurt somebody every game. But he said they had a more than capable offense of winning the game. And he used to point out to me, Go look at the Minnesota game, and, and uh, you'll see that that team had an offense, and they needed Jim McMahon running the offense because I think he wasn't in, and they had brought, I think, Tom Zach in for the first quarter or so, and McMahon came in, like, close to halftime and threw, like, three or four touchdowns, and it was on Monday Night Football. I was actually in the hospital for that game, <laughs> and, and – uh. Yeah, that offense would score you points, and they would tear the top off the defense once or twice a game, every game. So I think when people look at the Bears and, and try to compare those two teams, they mess up because this offense cannot hold its own where that offense was more than able to hold its own and do better. I think you bring up an interesting point, but my let's be honest, too, back in 85, it was a totally different NFL back then. It was more a defensive game, and all the rules were guided towards uh, defensive players. Uh, let's be honest here. The Bears, historically, have been known offensively as a run three yards in a cloud of dust. And you you could barely pass for 200 yards, and, and they stuck to that full formula. Now, in, in 2020, the NFL rules are more uh, catered toward the offense, and many of our complaints this year, especially on this show, is the Bears' offense cannot average um, no more than 21 points per game. And that's sad because all the rules are in your favor today. But the Bears, I believe, to be taken seriously, no matter where they get it, whether it's locally or nationally, they need to be more consistent on offense, as you brought up last week, uh, Lamont, and I think you brought it up on our last episode as well. Matt Nagy was brought in here to be the offensive genius. We have not seen it in his two, two and a half plus years here on the job. So uh, until that situation turns around, uh, they really don't have really anything to complain about, to be honest with you. You use the, re, uh, the re, quote unquote respect that all oh, people don't believe us, people don't take us seriously, but to you are more consistent, you find other ways to win besides relying on your defense, i.e. two years ago, it's going to catch up to you at some point. Yeah, and I got, I got to agree with both of you guys. The NFL is a lot different now than it was back in the 80s for all the reasons Sid said. I mean, all the rules are now being catered more towards the offense. The fact that the Bears can't score no more than 23 or 21 or 23 points a game is – that's unfortunate. And they may need to look in the mirrors. And the whole, like, respect thing, I mean – of course, you earn it. I know Lovey Smith said years ago when he was here that, hey, you are we are what your record says. But at the same time, though, you're like, well, maybe you're not. You know, uh, they had uh, – Olin Cruz was co-hosting 
one of the radio shows in Chicago this week, and he spoke upon it, and he spoke upon they needed to be tougher on the offensive side. He was like, who they got tough on the offensive side? He was like, they ain't got nobody on there that's got nobody. He said, in order to win, you need two things. You need to have somebody that was going to beat somebody up or run somebody over. And he was like, they don't have nobody that's going to beat nobody up. And David Montgomery will never get a chance to run nobody over because he can't get past the backfield. And if he get past the backfield, he has a chance because he did run people over at Iowa State. So he was like, they need an identity and they need some toughness. Well, it doesn't help, too, that one of your top uh, O-line guys, you know, James Daniels, is out now for the rest of the year with a torn bicep muscle. So, you know, there, there is a veteran there is a veteran O-line guy out there on the market now. We'll see from Seattle. So we'll see if they can get him. You know, I look at that, and when, and when people become available, you ever notice how our names never come up in the mix? Like, all these eight and all these Antonio Brown questions, our name never come up. Not saying I want them, but whenever somebody pops out, the Bears' name never comes up. It's like Le'Veon Bell never comes up. And then I, I look around a lot of the, uh, the, the publications and things of that nature always dismiss it like it's nothing like. It's no way. It's no way in heck that anybody would go play for the Bears, and I wonder why that stigma is over the scene. Like nobody, never, and even when all of these people say they want to be traded, don't nobody say trade me to Chicago. It's like something. It's a stigma, so to speak, almost like our NBA stigma. It's, it's a stigma, so to speak, about coming to Chicago. And I mean, I, I wish I knew it was, and I'm hope I can stay in this business long enough to crack down some of those third and fourth walls and see what it is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now on that note. Let's get ready for these NFL picks. Uh, yes, week seven of the... NFL and our so standings, you're still like up a game, Sid, and you know, but I'm all the way. Come on. Ah, no, but no, but no, but Lamont's kind of come up since I kind of caught him up a little bit. But you know, we're all like within like two or three game distance. So every 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 you know every game is still like important, and every week, and still we're like we're in week seven now. So you know we're still we're not even halfway through the season yet. So there's plenty of time for all of us to catch up, and even for you to pull away. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm still that's all that counts. Yes. <laughs> okay. Pull away. Uh -huh. this, this perfect week I'm about to have gonna eliminate that pull ahead stuff. Oh okay. I, got, I, got like, <laughs> I got like four upsets. All right. Okay. Uh okay. The Colts, the Dolphins, the Vikings, and the Ravens are all on by. So if you have Lamar Jackson or Phillip Rivers or you know, uh, maybe I, maybe I, I guess Justin Jefferson for the uh, for the Vikings. You know, put put them on the rest. You know, for all your fantasy uh, players out there. All right, so before, before you start, uh, the the Vikings 
snatching, putting two out there. You think that was too early for him to throw him out there? For the Dolphins? Yeah. You think we should have done it now? It'll be interesting to see what, what, what they do because, I I mean, they're right there with, for the AFC East, so I don't – like it, I, I I know Fitz was you know was kind of caught off guard when they told him the news that he was being benched. But I mean, I guess it, I mean it's better to do it now during the bye week, I guess, so that Tua can have a full week of practice. So we'll see. But I think it's a little bit premature. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> he, looked, he looked like he wanted to cry, man. I felt bad for him because he this one. <laughs> I mean, cause this one the few times he ain't really done nothing to lose his job this time. You know, all the other times when they pulled them, it was like you knew they had somebody that was waiting. They had showed a little something that they was ready to go. You know, I want to see Tua play too, but the man ain't really messed up that bad to say, okay, this uh, this it for you. So, I mean, I, I'm like him. I would have been caught a little bit off guard too because I haven't done nothing wrong to y'all this shit. What about you, Sid? It sounds like too yeah, quickly, it sounds like an upper management move to me. I mean, assuming that head coach Brian Flores agreed to this, I'm going with I'm going with the angle that he did. If that's the case, it was an organizational decision no matter what happened. I guarantee you they were four and two or better. I don't think this move would have happened. But still, uh, I'm with you, Lamont. Fundamentally, Brian Fitzpatrick has done enough to keep his job. But we all know that's the reason why he's bounced around the league. He hasn't been consistent throughout the entire season. So, but Tua is their future. Like you mentioned, Lakina, Miami did this correctly. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But as we said before, this is an improving team. You never know. Maybe Tua will come out on fire. But, you know, this is why we play the games. Do, do what's the name of them still got part ownership down there? That might explain it. Is the Serena and them still part owners with J-Lo and them down there? I believe they are. I believe, I believe so. Yeah, I, 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 I got my answer now. I got my answer now. They want, they want, they wanted a supermodel at quarterback. Oh gosh. Okay. On that note, we're gonna get to these week seven picks. All right, the battle. Of the, well, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we got we got a little sidetrack there, but uh, we're gonna get back on the on the tracks here. Uh, the battle of the beans is probably the game of the week. You got the Steelers and the Titans. We're gonna start off with the hardest game. That, that's that's the hard, that's the hardest game of the week. <laughs> right I'm off gonna, the bat. I'll let y'all. Yeah, I let y'all pick first. I'm gonna go last. Oh. I'm still confused. <laughs> give me this. Give me the Steelers. I love them big in this one. Tough game on a row. Tennessee got lucky last week thanks to the um, Romeo Cornell and the Houston Texans. Tennessee's a good team, but as I mentioned, uh, Jeff Lewan, their, uh, their office alignment, their All Pro office alignment, he's out with the for the year as, as far as the injuries concerned with the torn ACL. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a decent game, but it's not as big as people want to make it out to be. To be. Pittsburgh's defense is better than what people give it credit for, even though they have new players the last couple of years. Uh, they're built tough. Big Ben's going to make a big player, too. And I see Pittsburgh winning a close and ugly game on the road. Give me Pittsburgh. Okay. This, this could be one of those, like, low-scoring games, I have a feeling. I mean – 
I mean, yeah, the Titans defense is not nothing. It's not anything to write home about. But you know, as long as you got Derrick Henry on your offensive side, I think that you still got a chance. This could be one of those like twelve nine nine six type games, but that suits more to the Steelers' advantage. So because of that, I think the Steelers would have just enough to win this game, and this will be a close one. Yeah, I already, I already sent you in my picks, okay? So you got them right. Yes, I do. All right, so y'all know I, I won't change them. I'm going to show them to you also. I will not be. <laughs> oh, brother. I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers because my significant other said they coach cute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god on that note <laughs> alright we'll be moving on here uh, in the NFC East you got the Cowboys and Washington <laughs> and everyone's still with their striking distance of the East in the NFC <laughs> except for those New York football giants I think their season is over since, since they lost to Pittsburgh uh, since they lost to Phil W excuse me on, on Thursday night blowing that late fourth quarter lead but with that being said uh, the Cowboys, as we told you last week, they'll get embarrassed on Monday Night Football against Arizona. That's what happened. I think they'll turn it around this week with a tough road win at Washington. Ezekiel Elliott had the worst game of his career. I think he'll do enough just to turn it around. You don't need Andy Dalton to uh, do everything for you. It all starts and ends with Ezekiel Elliott. And that defense has to come up with a turnover or two and stop. Uh, complaining to the media about your head coach. Be a man, do your job, and things will settle down for you. I got the cow Cowboys in a close one on the road. This is going to be I, one I, of I'm picking the – Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Lamont. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm picking the Cowboys because if they don't win, they're going to have to bring J.R. and back to be their owner. So <laughs> – Oh, brother. Okay. <laughs> God rest his soul, Larry Hagman. You're going to have to bring him but back. They got, they dead. Got Bobby, what a – they're going to have to bring Bobby or one of, one of the unions going to have to come back if they lose this game. They, it ain't looking good at South Fork. <laughs> nice little tie-in there, uh, Lamont. I'm going to pick the, the Cowboys. I'm going to keep it simple. Zeke will probably feed the Zeke. I mean, you don't have to really, you know, look. Don will have, no, have to do too much. Luckily, the offense for, the, for Washington is not that good, so the defense for the Cowboys won't have to do too much. They, as long as they don't, like, completely go off the rails and discombobulate, the Cowboys should win this game pretty easily. All right, next up in the AFC East, you got the Bills and the winless Jets. Buffalo for me. J-E-T-E-S will never win a game. Jay, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Lamont <laughs> uh, came prepared this week. <laughs> oh yes, he did. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Buffalo's gonna have a bad taste in their mouth from that game against Kansas City. I think they're gonna take it out on the Jets. I think Josh Allen will have a big game. I think Devin Singletary will have a big game. I think the defense is gonna have a pick six, and you know, the the misery will continue in the, in New York with the Jets. Yes, right. it will. All right, the tree one here in the NFC South, you got the Panthers and the Saints. Lamont, you start. I'm starting with the hopeful return of the often injured bullying wide receiver that they tend to have down there. They said he was going to play Monday, but then Tuesday he got a hamstring injury and he can't practice. 
Wednesday up in the air. Thursday, we don't know yet. As long as he don't get into a fight and he plays the Saints to win, uh, Carolina little hot streak has ended. Reality will set back in. Uh, it, Mr. Bridgewater will not have no y'all should have kept me moments. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. <laughs> and and the Saints will win, as you know, I normally do pick them to. Yeah, Lamont was referring to Saints star receiver Michael Thomas. Uh, I'm going with the Saints on this one. Uh, Chicago showed you how to beat Carolina last week. The Saints defense hasn't been that great this year, but I think they're good enough to shut down Teddy Bridgewater. Don't be surprised if they keep Carolina under 10 points. I have the Saints at home. The Saints at home for me. I mean, Leo, you know, I think the Bears showed you that maybe the Panthers team is sort of like not really on the up and up quite yet. Their defense, you know, it's just not like, like we've been saying, there's no Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley there. So they're not, it's not even you know, worth mentioning. So I think the Brewers will have a big game. Alvin Kamara will have a big game. And the defense will do just enough to slow them down. So I have the Saints big. Did they announce that yet? I know it was still up in the air yesterday. Did they announce that? Uh, are they moving that game yet? Not this one. This is not the, no, this is not the one we're talking about, uh, Lamont. This is another, a different game we're going to get to. No, I'm talking about the Saints game. No, it's still at noon. No, no, they was talking about moving it to Baton Rouge. Oh, no, it's still, no, it's still, it's still at the Superdome, as far as I know. Yeah, I know. Yes, I mean, as late as Monday, they were still talking about it. I haven't checked on it since Monday, but as of Monday, they were still talking about moving it. Well, that, that I'm sure if it would have been, so, been announced already, so I don't think that's the case here, at least not yeah. this week. Uh, right, you got the Packers and the Texans. I'll start. This is going to be one of those games where, you know, the Packers will not be in a good mood. Aaron Rodgers will not be in a good mood. And it will be the Packers, and they will win big. Green Bay. Green Bay, but I think J.J. Watt going to get his hands on Aaron Rodgers at least one time. All right, the Battle of Ohio, you got – Cleveland at Cincy, and also remember Joel Mixon's out, so that's a big loss there for the Bengals. Where you guys see this game? Thanks for making my pick, Lee. Can I have Cleveland? <laughs> this is this is the game, my cat Sydney. Do da, do da. <laughs> this is the upset. This is the upset of the week. Don't you realize they got a remoter, a re in ignorant. A rebirth of AJ Green. This is the game AJ Green been waiting on to show the NFL that he deserves a new contract, and he's gonna outplay Odell Beckham Jr. and they gonna lose. Cincinnati will upset the Cleveland Browns. That's my upset. You know, call Vegas and tell your cousins them to bet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Look, we don't bet. We don't bet here on Second City Sports. So, <laughs> call, call your relatives in Vegas and tell them put all their money on Cincinnati. They're gonna upset. I think Cleveland will win, but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if if Cincinnati pulls off the minor upset. I really wouldn't. 
All right, next up is uh, between two teams that have underachieved or they're just terrible. We'll, we'll see. But all right, you got the Lions and the Falcons. Um, he didn't the Atlanta. Uh, well, you know, the reason he didn't get his pink slip last week was because they 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 was out of they had a printing problem in New, in Detroit. That's why <laughs> that's why he still had his job. But after Atlanta demolishes Detroit, I don't see him making it through the rest of the season. So Atlanta should win. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll be a, this will be one of those high scoring games. I think Atlanta will just do just enough to win it, though. I believe. All right, a tricky win here in the first of the three o'clock games. You got. Now, this game was actually moved. This was actually supposed to have been in on Sunday night, but because of the old line for the Raiders having to be quarantined, they had to move the game up to 3 o'clock. So now, Bucks, Raiders, we'll see if this game is even played or they have to move it. it it's just everything's all, all discombobulated right now with this game. So, nonetheless, though, what are you guys' picks? No O-line or uh, actual starting O-line. I didn't think it would have mattered anyway. I got Tampa Bay beating Oakland on the road. I'm with two. I'm, I don't care who they would put out there. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. This is, is going to be hard for the, the O-line for the Raiders regardless because that defense for the Bucks is actually pretty good. So I've got the Bucks and – even they got the way they got to use their second stringers, I think the Bucks will win and they'll win big. I think they I think they start to hit their stride. All right, you got they did, did beat Kansas City. Well, I mean I think they're I think they're better than that, but like, like we've been saying, there will be they're not gonna have an old line right you know, for this game, so it's gonna probably gonna be a it's gonna be a, a tough one for Vegas. Raiders fans to watch. Uh, the battle of the one, the one yeah, win. Yeah, the 2020 team. version of the replacements. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> write that, write that script down as we speak. <laughs> All right, you got the Jags and the Chargers. Just because I'm going with the Chargers, just because they're the home team, and then Justin <laughs> Herbert, the quarterback, is playing very well right now. G I A N T. No, I'm going with the Chargers, man. Ain't no way they're gonna beat the Giants. Ain't gonna beat nobody but the Jets, and the Jets ain't gonna beat nobody but the Giants. And since they don't play each other this year, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough road. <laughs> All right, I got the Chargers too. I think they're. I think there's no way. I think the Chargers are fresh off a bye, and I think Justin Herbert will have his best game of the season. All right, an intriguing one here. You got the 49ers and the Patriots. Jimmy G goes back on the road to back to New England where he started his career with two Super Bowl rings as a back of quarterback to the GOAT time Brady. Uh, the, the number one crew of CBS will be calling that game, even though you're listening and watching us here in Chicago, they won't be televising that game. But you are sure will be watching that game via my computer. <laughs> With that being said, San Francisco – San Francisco with a, uh, with a big win at home against St. Louis last Sunday night. Uh, New England with a terrible loss for a limited practice time against Denver last week. I cannot, even though this is a new version of the New England Patriots, I just cannot see them losing two games in a row. I'm going off your script, Lakina. This is going to be an ugly game, but I see Cam Newton playing a whole lot better, and they're going to get their running game going just enough 
to pull out a three-point win. So I'm going with the Patriots at home. Do you really think Belichick to let Jimmy T come in there and embarrass him, man? It's just not gonna happen. He gonna show that man. No. A, he gonna show that man a playbook that he never even saw in practice. He gonna, he, Jimmy G gonna be. He might get. He might be hurt again by the by the third quarter. He don't want no parts of that man. New England, <laughs> go, New England upset about this last game of theirs. They, they it's gonna get. I, I believe that game gonna get ugly. It may not get ugly scoring wise, but it's gonna get ugly and embarrassment. Like some of the things they don't gonna do gonna just embarrass the other team so bad. I mm. uh, yeah, I got the Patriots too for all the reasons you guys have said. I look, I, I think they're gonna be angry about that last game, and I, I think they're gonna take it out on the 49ers. Most are most are out, so and the most their defense is still a little bit banged up. So I it could be one of those like I said, it could be one of those nine six. You know, 12 9, 10 9 kind of games because I just think that it's not going to, the, the offensive wide is not going to be, it's not going to be very pretty. And then they said the weather's going to, might play a factor too. So another watch out for that as well. All right. Next up, we got KC and Denver. Kansas City. Chiefs. I got the Chiefs too. And probably one of the games of the week, which I'm actually glad that this got moved to Sunday night because I think this deserves to have, like, the big showcase on Sunday night. You got the Seahawks and the Chargers in the NFC West. The Cardinals, you uh, said, Akina. Oh, I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, my bad. (laughs) All right, Seahawks (laughs) versus the Cardinals, my bad. It was a hard first. uh, even though it's a hard one to pick, um, as a fan, I'm cheering for Arizona. Uh, they deserve this national spotlight, but I had to go with logic here. I'm going with Russell Wilson in the Seahawks. Yes, their defense is terrible, but I think they'll have enough. Uh, Russell Wilson will carry the day for Seattle along with that running game. Uh, the defense for for Arizona uh, has been banged up a little bit, but they really didn't have to do anything last week against against. Uh, Dallas because Dallas uh, turned the ball over themselves. So I, I'll give a little credit to the Arizona defense. With that being said, I think it's going to be close a close game than what people are, will give it credit for. I have Seattle, unfortunately, pulling it out at the end on the road. Yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad Kyler Murray gonna get a chance to see some spotlight time. But this ain't the game to give it to him. I think Russell Wilson gonna use this game as a coming out party to say I'm y'all MVP <laughs> Y'all gonna let me know. I'ma show y'all. And I think he gonna try to go off. And I think they gonna help him go off. So I think Seattle will win this one. I don't think it's gonna be as close as a lot of people saying. It might be high scoring, but it might not be a clear. It might be like a 40-24 or something. But uh, I don't see Arizona being able to win it. Plus, I would love to pick Arizona. I, I think I trust Seattle's defense a little bit more than I trust the Cardinals' defense. But this might this might be a close one, though. I think, but I think Seattle will do just enough to pull away late. Although I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals pull off the upset. 
All right, last but not least, we're, we're going we're to go ahead and just, just do our predictions for this one now. Even though it's Monday, we actually do recording on a Monday. We don't know when it's going to get posted, so we'll just go ahead and just do it now. The Bears and the Rams, Monday Nighter, the National Spotlights. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I love my team. <laughs> I don't, I don't, okay, I don't, but... I don't think they're ready to beat them. And now, if they beat them, the level of respect will change significantly. So right now, I think the overall consensus is they respect the Bears for about 30%. About 30% of people respect the Bears. I think if they win, it'll go up to maybe 50%. But that win would have to come in convincing fashion. It would have to be they beat, they beat them. But if they don't beat them, it's going to be, yeah, same old Bears. They won ugly. They got lucky. It was a lucky play by so-and-so. Aaron Donald went out in the second quarter with a knee injury. You know, it's going to be some type of stigma put on that game. So if they can flat out beat them, they, they, they level of respect could go up from 30 to 50 nationwide. But I'm picking the Rams. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with the Rams as well. Uh, the, the Bears just don't have enough uh, offense. I know the Rams defense, they're a much better defense than the Carolina Panthers are. Of course, Aaron Donald is a beast up front. I expect him to have a big impact like he did last year when they played at the Old Coliseum. Uh, the linebacking core for the Rams, they're garbage. So hopefully if you're Matt, Matt Nagy, if you're listening, any of your Bears management is listening, please involve the tight ends of the Bears, Cole Clement, and Jimmy Graham on the Office of Gameplay. Can you do that? Please take advantage of that bad um, linebacking core or the Rams. But I just don't trust the Bears' office to perform consistently throughout four quarters. Uh, their defense will keep them in it, but I see the Rams pulling it away in a close one at the end. Uh, Nick Foles is going to have to show me something. And head coach Matt Nagy, both of them going to have to show me something. Can you hang offensively uh, with the Rams? Uh, as of right now, I just don't see it. That's why I'm going with the Rams at all. Aaron Donald's not going to be in a very good mood after that. After they kind of got like ran over against the 49ers last Sunday, so I don't think it's going to be in a very good mood. I think learn Litter Floor. I'm not going to say it's going to be like the a revenge, the revenge game, the Litter Floor revenge game. I'm not doing that, but he may have he might have a, a good a good night. Um, their their running backs have actually been pretty solid, so I'm not worried about that. The Bears, you're going to have to show me something. Play a complete game. You haven't done it yet. You know. And I think, yes, the defense the will. Is yeah, but, but the, let, me, let me finish, Lamont. Um, the defense will do enough to keep the Bears in it. But I think the Rams, I trust the Rams offense a little bit more. And I think they'll, I think Cooper Cup and some of the rest of that, that, that uh, receiving core for the Rams will, will dominate the secondary. And I think the. Bears will beat him at the cup and Robert Woods will have big games. So I'm going to pick the Rams and I'm not going to say it's a blowout, but don't be surprised if it is. I'm going to leave it at that. Leonard Floyd going to show the Bears why they also got too Go ahead, Sid. Okay, let's just say real quick, and uh, we'll break this down more of our next episode, but watch out the key matchup here for this game. 
Defensive back for the Rams, Jalen Ramsey, he'll go up against Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson. Whoever wins that matchup, I think, will win this game. Should be That should be a good one, a really good matchup. Looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. And what, what I was going to say is that the Bears know how weak Leonard Floyd is. I'm looking for, like, your cold commit Jimmy Graham to keep running plays over him and on his side because they know his deficiencies and they know what he cannot do. So I'm looking for uh, Cole Komet to break out all over Leonard Floyd. Everything going to be ran at Leonard Floyd. It's going to be one of them. Until you can beat us, we going to beat on y'all. And I, I can see that happening. We'll see. We'll talk more. We'll talk more about that as we break it down further on Monday. But those are our week seven picks of the NFL. Some great matchups. There should be some some fun, entertaining games as always. Another thing that's going to be fun and entertaining. You got we get college football and now the Big Ten. Welcome back to the Big Ten. They're back in the saddle starting tonight. One of the yep. you know, Illinois and Wisconsin over at Camp, yeah, over at Camp Randall. There's, I don't think there's going to be anybody there, so no jumping around or anything like that. But uh, okay, so what do you got? What games are you guys looking forward to to seeing on week in week eight? Well, you started out with the game I want to see. Yes, I'm rooting for my lovey to to come close to winning the Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, I know I'm crazy. It's okay. Y'all ain't got to get quiet. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you real quick. I'll give you credit, Lamont. You were the only person on our panel last year that stuck with Lovey, even even though uh, yours truly want them to give him his link card and pink slip. Illinois did bounce back to make it to a ball game. The question is, can they sustain that momentum into uh, year two? Can they make it back-to-back years in a bowl game? They got, you know, it's it's funny, I think. Something that's something that's gonna help Illinois, uh, and it's sad that it had to happen this way. But not not as so much this year, but going forward next year and the year after, I think the pandemic will help Illinois because they will have no choice but to look at and take more players from the Chicago Public League and places of that nature. And I think they're going to find themselves a couple of gems in there somewhere. So I think that's going to help them a little bit simply from that standpoint. But overall, I look for them to be a better team than last year. Sid? Yeah, for me, I'm looking forward to the uh, Nebraska-Ohio State game. Big news Saturday on Fox. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. How much Justin Field had, Justin Fields, uh, the, the quarterback for the Buckeyes, how much does he have left in the tank after last year's uh, national semifinal loss to Clemson? Ohio State gave away the game, but I digress on that. Uh, can uh, Ohio State uh, bounce back and, and go back to the uh, national championship game? Also, I'm looking forward to that Saturday night game on ABC, you had Minnesota versus Michigan. Uh, can Michigan win a tough game to start off uh, the year? Uh, we all expected Michigan to, to take that game to the next level as far as becoming national title contenders. I don't know if they're going to do that this year, but can they actually bring an offense? They had the best defense, in, one of the best defenses in the country, defenses in the country the last few seasons. Can they finally bring an offense to complement that defense? Head coach Jim Harbaugh, he's probably on the hot seat more than ever before. We'll see if he, uh, if he can uh, 
start off the year right with a win versus the Golden Gophers. Oh, the Paul Bunyan trophy. I love seeing that. I'm glad we're getting a chance to, to watch it. I want to see how Minnesota looks because a couple of their guys, I know Antoine Whitfield Jr. left for the NFL and a couple other guys left too. And I think a couple, I think one of their top rushers, I think, opted out. So this is going to be interesting to see how they look. Michigan, who's going to be their quarterback? And uh, can that defense sort of sustain sort of that, that mindset for the, for the Wolverines? Looking forward to that. That's always a fun one there. All right, Nebraska, put your money where your mouth is. You guys were, were crying up and down about being, you know, wanting to play. Now you guys are playing. Now you all complaining about y'all's, the schedule, the way it was set up. So, like, I don't know. Look, be careful what you wish for. Look, y'all wanted to play, so now you're playing, and now you're going to get a chance to do that against one of the, the top teams in the country in Ohio State. So, okay, Cornhusker. Okay, Cornhuskers, Scott Frost, put your money where your mouth is. Put a little bit of effort. <laughs> also, the North Carolina, North Carolina State game, that should be a fun one there in the ACC. I love that. Um, let's see. Let's see what else. Um, Who's Northwestern playing uh, Saturday? Um, wait, who are they playing? I think Maryland, I'll look it up, but I think Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, I know. I'm oh, sorry, Maryland, you're right, Maryland. Yeah, yes, because so they're doing like a seven game, I guess, all conference um season, so I see Penn State is going on the road against Indiana, we'll see how they look. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how, and also like the, the atmosphere of some of these crowds. I, I know in some Big Ten stadiums, they're not going to have people there, but I know in other instances that they're, they're gonna, it's going to be limited, so it's going to be weird to see how the atmosphere looks in that respect. So, I mean, this should be interesting. And a couple of those schools don't have giant state. I think the schools with the smaller stadium, the games will sound louder because the limited capacity, the smaller of the stadium – so I think it's going to be some interesting noises coming from a couple of them stadiums. And with, with uh, if you mentioned earlier about Michigan, if Jason was here, he would still say Michigan doesn't have a quarterback. So <laughs> Michigan going to gonna have to figure something out. But my, uh, my question I really got going in is that how much better does – uh, the Ohio State quarterback have to be in this short amount of games to win the Heisman Trophy from that boy from Clemson. How much better? He has to be two times, if not three times better than him in every game simply because of the way this schedule has been set up. Hmm. I think he can do it. I think he could, I think Justin Fields could do it. I think he could probably I think if anybody could kind of try to challenge Trevor Lawrence in that Heisman, that top of that Heisman uh plateau, if you will, I think he's the guy to do it. But like you said, Lamont, the way the schedule's set up, it's gonna be very hard to do. He can't really afford to have any bad games. We'll see how he faces against some of these defenses. You know, some defense. I mean, we'll see how he does against Michigan. We'll see how he does against some of these other teams. That he'll have to face, but I know that a couple of the guys on his offensive side have decided to opt out too. So it's gonna be interesting to see how all of this looks. And I'm also looking forward to Northwestern as well. As we mentioned, they open up the season on Saturday against Maryland. Well, of course, we documented last year on this show. Northwestern didn't have a quarterback there, which means their offense was wasn't much to write home about their defense, which actually is not that bad. Uh, it suffered last year, so 
head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, of course, they have a new uh, quarterback this year. We'll see if they could uh, turn their season around, perhaps get back to a bowl game. Looking forward to seeing. Looking forward to that game. I think Maryland looks a lot better, too, so we'll see how mm -hmm. they look. Um, in the Big 12, a good one here. You got Iowa State and Oklahoma State. You got one of the top offenses facing Iowa State and their defense. So where do you guys see that game? 40 to 30. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right, Lamont. <laughs> what yeah, about this? Okay State. All right, uh, Cincinnati and SMU, a good one in the American. Uh, I saw SMU and, and, and uh, I don't know. I, I might have to watch SMU again. I wasn't that impressed. They, they, uh, they could pull it off, but I wasn't. They, they, I can't just jump out the window with them. Not yet. I like Cincy, though. That Cincy looks really good. I've seen a couple of their games. So that should be a fun one, too, down in – right outside uh, – I think they're in Houston, right outside Houston. Do you I, know this, I know you had a schedule in front of you, Lakina. Of course, I don't, using a, a different device. But uh, <laughs> I know the U, the University of Miami, I know they're on prime time on ACC Network on Saturday. Who do they play? Virginia. Virginia, I thought so, yeah. They looked good last week. I watched some of that game against Pittsburgh. They – uh, had to hang on at the end. They pulled away. Uh, but uh, let's see if they could dominate Virginia. Uh, and of course, get that stink taste out of their mouth from a couple weeks ago at Clemson. Do you think, speaking of Pittsburgh, do you guys think they could pull off the upset against Notre Dame? Ooh, I don't know. I think they may have a chance, but I'm not convinced that they'll pull an upset. I just not. I don't know if Notre Dame hasn't played that well these last couple weeks, but I, I, I just don't get a strong feeling. They may stay in it kind of sore, maybe a kickoff, but uh, I, I see Notre Dame still winning. What about you, Lamont? I, 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 I mean, Notre Dame, I think they're going to continue to get better as the season progresses. And they got the shiniest helmets, so I, I think they're going to get better. <laughs> they helmets are beautiful. Yeah, they are. Very lovely. Uh, Baylor and Texas, that should be a good one. Um, let's see. South Carolina, LSU? I'll uh, hand this over to Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> Look, LSU has finally found their quarterback. And since they coach said, I've bench all of y'all before I get embarrassed again, they, they better win. Mm-hmm. Imagine this football, boy. <laughs> exactly. I wish I'm saying that too. That's crazy. We'll put a bunch of freshmen out there before we get embarrassed by a bunch of people that's supposed to know what they're doing. Don't you tell my ball, boy. All right. Well, uh, speaking of the annual Army Navy game, will take place on December 12th, but they're actually going to move it to West Point. So basically, Army's going to be hosting it. It's been in Philly the last, I think, like 10 or 15 years mm -hmm. because of COVID. So they've moved the game to West Point. So West, so Army will have the whole field there. So what do you guys think about that? Always go with Army. Yeah. All right, and some breaking news and some breaking news in the NBA. Uh, I, I know I don't know how if Sean Sharonia from the 
who's the, from the Athletic, he just tweeted that just about 20 minutes ago, real quick, that they're targeting on December 22nd for the start of the 2021 season in a 72-game season that will be finished before the 2021 Olympics. So what do you guys think about that? Oh, real quick, as I said, Lakin, I beg and I pleaded, if this report is true, that means that the NBA wants their athletes, and I believe it's in Japan, I want to say, for the Olympics, for the Summer Olympics. Yep, Tokyo, yep. Yes, we, we made the list before. You can go back to our previous episodes to, to find it, but the NBA and the ILC working together, they want uh, the news NBA stars in the Olympics, so this makes sense. Now, the starting date, I know it's three days before Christmas, but if they can get some things together, uh, I'm, I'm liking it. It's like you said, 72-game season. They'll make some of that revenue up they made from last year. I know it's not going to be totally in full, but uh, I, I like this. I know most people, see your casual friends said that the NBA doesn't get interesting until Christmas. Anyway, so it looks like this year you'll get your wish. Now, I know the NBA All-Star game is supposed to be in Indianapolis uh, this year. Did they say that they're going to have an All-Star weekend or not? I'm assuming they will. Yeah, I'm assuming they will. They haven't they haven't said it yet, but it looks like they might just it might go on as scheduled still. What about you, Lamont? On a selfish note, I'm just glad our our All Star Weekend last year in Chicago didn't get affected. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a beautiful weekend. I must not lie. Good times, yeah. good times. What do you think about this, Lamont? What the the start the start there for the NBA. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's gonna be uh, good, but I've been I've been I was that's what I was about to tell you. I've been more focused on all of these free agent moves lately. Like, I've been making a couple of phone calls to a couple of people, trying to see what's what's gonna happen with this draft quickly approaching and free agency quickly approaching, and how these teams are setting themselves up. And it seems like they're breaking all of the quote-unquote rules, as they say, the no tampering rules and all of that. I think all of that's out of the window this year because you got a bunch of people talking to each other that technically shouldn't be talking to each other. So I've been watching, I've been watching that a lot. And I think the start time helps. It gives them more games to play. It gives a few other people more opportunities to play. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, I had posed, uh, I have posed a, a trivia question to a couple of people I know about uh, teams and rebuilding and, and people that got championship rings after the Lakers won their championship rings and I was asking uh, what who were the hottest free agents out there that were champions and where could they go all right and these other guys are too all right it's gonna be very interesting we'll see we'll talk more about think right well Right. Well, we just see where, how this goes, especially when we get to, you know, with the draft coming up and coming up next month, and then now you got the season about to start and coming up in December, a month after that. So short off season, so no rest for the really here. All right. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to, real quick, before we? Oh, did, uh, did y'all see? Did y'all see that workout? Did y'all see that workout with John Wall against uh, Michael Beasley? 
<laughs> yeah. Did that run across any yeah, I saw it. Yeah, you saw it? yeah, I saw it. Look it up, Sid. It's it's a uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> okay, like, it's very interesting. But uh, somebody upset. I don't know who. I don't know which one I peed off, but somebody upset. Yeah, the, yeah. No one. Someone's not very happy. We'll probably say it Mike, Yeah, probably. Michael the only get no money. <laughs> probably, probably. So I'm looking for. Look, I'm looking forward to uh, week seven of the NFL. Some great matchups here. I'm also looking forward to week eight of the college football season. The Big The Big Ten's back. Golf is starting. You got the Zozo The Zozo Championships going on. Unfortunately, Tiger's struggling. Justin Thomas is leading the field right now. It's their first their first tournament of the sort of wraparound season. And also the World Series. You can just talk to us about the World Series about, but uh, I'm looking forward to see who can take control and if they can't can, can take control. What are you guys looking forward to this weekend? This weekend. Definitely yeah, me, the World Series. Yeah, the World Series, college football, and the NFL. All in on the World Series, college football. I got a pay-per-view this week, Hell in the Cell on Sunday night. Oh, yeah, and I heard about that. See, because Fox... Fox is blowing up wrestling. <laughs> and, hey, and, uh, I warned you that they were going to do that, though, Lamont. Yeah, they blowing it up. I mean, but I guess when you spend a billion dollars, you want some money's worth. So they blowing it up. And, um, yeah, that's about it. And then just, uh, like I said, I've been watching a lot of these quote-unquote pickup games that's going on with these free agents or whatever. <laughs> and um, it looks like my little, it looked like my little relative may be taking the, 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 a minimum contract, so to speak, and going back home. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, I mean, why? What better team to go sit on the bench for? So he 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 leaning forward to going back as a backup. To, Golden State again. Ah, oh, love like, it. All right. <laughs> and on yeah, that, I'm like, you know. All right. And on that note, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. You can follow yours truly, Sid Kid 80 on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, at Sid Kid 80, Sid Kid 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can listen to this podcast along with our other uh, programming from War Media. Just search for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you, you uh, subscribe and search for War on Anchor. We are also on iHeartRadio. Please, please, please download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, type in the search engine box, War on Anchor, that's W-A-R-R, on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media, that's W-A-R-R, Media. You can watch us do our thing with the broadcast of this podcast. You can see our lovely faces. Surprise! All right, so you guys stay warm. It's going to be supposed to be a little bit cooler this weekend, so enjoy the games. You guys stay safe. Wash your hands and keep your distance because, unfortunately, it looks like we're going to the second wave of COVID. So everybody be safe out there. This is Mr. Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you Monday.
Mm. See you next time. Holla! <laughs>